0: Good morning, and thank you to everyone on the line for joining us for today's virtual forum session. Uh, My name is Sarah Olson. I'm a senior analyst here on the LUX research team. Now, I lead our team that focuses on technologies in food, health, and wellness. And today, I'll be going through some aspects of a recently published report called How Will the Microbiome Impact Your Industry? Um, I'm going to include our rationale for writing the report, some of our key findings, and of course, answering your questions along the way. Um, To enable that, if you could please type questions that you have into the Q&A box in the WebEx interface, that will allow me to monitor in real time and answer some of them live. So for starters, let me just take a moment and welcome our program members to the session. Now, for those of you who are not already members of our Consumer Choices in Food, Health, and Wellness program... Uh, You've been invited to this session for a sneak peek at the program's breadth, uh, the strategic view, and the interactive emphasis. This year our program is focusing on four key themes that really extend beyond individual technologies that we cover. And um, of those four themes, today's session is looking at a really key transformative innovation. Um, which is the the microbiome and the role that it has to play, as we'll talk about in so many industries. So let's look a little bit at where we're going. Um, Today's session will begin with just a quick refresher on kind of what is a microbiome, what is it that we're talking about. Um, We'll go through why we wrote this report, um, our key takeaways, and then we'll leave some time for open Q&A at the end So throughout, I'll be happy to answer questions. If you have a question on the slide that's that's currently shown, um, please feel free to just type those questions into the Q&A box and uh, I'll do my best to monitor and answer them in, uh, in real time. So let's begin. What is a microbiome? This is a word that's gotten a lot of hype. Um, It's become really an an everyday phrase for a lot of folks in a lot of industries. What is it? A microbiome is a group of microbes uh, living in or on a given environment. Um, So one of the most frequently discussed, for example, is the human gut microbiome. So that's the the bugs, essentially, the the microbes that live in the the human gut, in the human intestine. Now plants, soil, animals, processing equipment, healthcare facilities, really any environment can have its own unique microbiome. Um, And interestingly enough, in a human being, uh, microbial cells, so the microbiome actually outnumbers the human cells by a ratio of 10 to 1. Um, So for every one of the cells inside your body, there are 10 microbes um, who are along for the ride. And it's worth mentioning that um, sometimes the word microbiome can be used uh, to actually refer to the genetic sequences of all those organisms, not just the organisms themselves. Um, And it looks like we have a question here, is it only bacteria that form microbiomes or or other microbes as well? And while bacteria tend to be the most frequent members of human microbiomes, um, both bacteria and fungi as well as bacteriophage which are viruses that infect only bacteria, and we'll talk a little more about some of that later. Um, Those are all members of microbiomes. Uh, Another question here, what are the major microbiome locations that LUX covers on an ongoing basis? Um, So generally, that's a great question. We look most frequently at microbiomes in uh, human systems, the the gut, the skin, uh, the mouth, Um, as well as agricultural and food microbiomes, so looking at animal, uh, plant, and soil microbiomes, as well as those on food uh, and food packaging and food processing equipment as well. Um, And I see a couple questions here on suggestions for a review or an overview um, article that might help uh, sort of lay out what's happening uh, in the microbiome space. I would say certainly um, the report that we've recently published that this this session is discussing would be a good place to start, Um, as would be the the linked story at the bottom of this slide from Chemical and Engineering News. It's specific to cosmetics and microbiome cosmetics, but I think it does lay out some really interesting activity in the space. So let's move on now to why we wrote the report. Um, uh, Part of the impetus behind writing the report was a significant uptick in interest among scientists and consumers alike. And it's not always that scientists and consumers are interested in the same thing. Um, But when that happens, it's usually a pretty good indicator that something important and relevant uh, and transformative is going on. Um, So the graph that we're looking at here um, plots Google searches next to academic publications. um, And the the bars represent publications while the the blue line represents the Google search trends. And it's a really striking and fascinating parallel trend upward for both of those parameters in the past uh, 12 or so years, which tells us, the microbiome is a very hot topic right now. Um, And the fact that consumers are also showing interest in addition to scientists is what tells us that as as researchers in the consumer choices in food health and wellness group, that this is an area we really wanted to look into further. Um, It's important to point out that through the publications that are emerging, what we're finding is that the microbiome plays this incredibly complex and crucial role in health and function for essentially all living things, but that role is still very poorly understood in most cases. And we'll get more into a little bit of that later. Um, One of the other reasons that we thought this report was worth um, writing was because of the number of startups that were willing to be interviewed by Lux. Um, so in past years, the the microbiome companies that we were aware of tended to be a little bit skittish. Um, they weren't interested in being interviewed and um, they, they claimed to be too early stage or um, not ready for publicity. But in the past 18 months, we've seen a real uptick in the willingness of startups to be, uh, to be interviewed and profiled. Um, and the list here is just uh, a few of those that we've spoken with in, in the past 18 months. Um, and you'll see that these range from agricultural and um, food topics, and um, extending into human health as well. Um, so it's really a broad group. Um, and I have another question here, when did the word microbiome first appear? And um, the word first came to be in uh, in the 1950s, um, I believe, was initially when the word was coined. Um, but generally... Um, It was the very uh, early 2000s that it it really became most relevant um, and used in the way we use it today. So um, there's some debate over who really coined the term in its current use, but it was in the early 2000s. So um, it's really been 15 to 20 years total of development in this space that that has led to this uh, significant explosion that we've seen. Um, Another question here, what's the state of the art in manipulating uh, the microbiome for health? And that's a really interesting question. Um, The simple reality is it's too early to really impact health through the microbiome today in most cases, um, simply because the foundational research hasn't been done to correctly uh, identify connections between microbiome uh, characteristics and human health. So there there are a few areas where we've seen some really significant advances that I think are worth mentioning. Probably most notable is in care and treatment of patients with Clostridium difficile or C. diff infections. So in these patients, there's been significant research done to show that an imbalance or a dysbiosis in the microbiome is responsible for um, that, uh, that condition and that the reason patients get recurrent infections has to do with a problem in the microbiome. Um, And research has led to some treatment around doing fecal microbiome transplanting and sort of persistent uh, chronic dosing of of those fecal microbiome transplants from healthy people as a really legitimate way of staving off C. diff infection. I would say that's really the state of the art Um, right now. Most other approaches involve sort of consumer-friendly probiotics with vague health claims around um, uh, laxation regularity and reduced bloating and and some some weak claims around uh, weight loss. Um, Another question here, what is the link between the food microbiome and the human gut microbiome? That is a a very exciting area that is being looked into at the moment. Based on what we've seen, the, uh, the foods that a person eats, especially um, culture-containing foods, so foods with probiotics, whether it's a fermented food like kimchi or, or a, a yogurt-based product, for example, um, those foods tend to have a very short-term impact on the human gut microbiome, but there's very limited evidence for how long those shifts remain. Um, so th- this extends as well to um, transmission of microbiomes between, uh, between people, for example, in pardon me, in a handshake, or um, the transfer of microbes through a seed treatment in agriculture. What we know is that the immediate response to these treatments is, is um, quite intense, but that those uh, effects peter off very quickly and, and they're not sustained. And we see a similar pattern emerging with food consumption in the human gut microbiome. It seems that for a really legitimate shift in the human gut microbiome from food, it requires a consistent re-dosing of that same food. So move along here. Um, Another reason that we found this report really, really worth writing Um, is that our clients and your peers, those of you on the phone, your peers, are really keenly interested in this topic. Um, We did some analysis and we've answered more than 100 inquiry questions relating to the microbiome across our Food Health and Wellness Program in the past two years. And these questions cut across agricultural, um, animal health, food, and consumer wellness applications. Um, Really a diverse set of questions and interests all relating to the microbiome. Um, As we look at these questions, they generally, though not always, but generally, fall into two major buckets. The the first set, looking at questions around markets, things like, what should I know about the microbiome, and is it going to affect my business? The answer there, by the way, is most likely yes. Um, If your business has anything to do with a biological system, um, not just human health, not just agriculture, but any biological system, Um, including uh, specialty chemical fermentation and and bio-based materials production, um, most likely the microbiome is going to impact your business. Um, We also see technology questions. um, Things like looking for groups and lists of startups or or contract research organizations with the best capabilities for screening. um, Companies that Lux has profiled in specific microbiome application areas Um, These are questions that we're getting very frequently from clients who are seeking um, strategic advice on how to enter or interact with the microbiome space. So I hope I've uh, laid out very clearly for you why we wrote the report. Um, Now we'll look at a few of the key takeaways from the report. Um, And I would encourage everyone on the call to take the time to look through it. It's not a lengthy report. It's it's done in in a series of slides, so it's not a lengthy um, Word document to be read through very slowly, but it should should be a quick read, and and we wrote it to be very um, dense and quick hitting. But we will go through the key takeaways here. Um, So, first off, we found that the microbiome um, and the technologies around it today stand to impact five major industries most significantly, Uh, and those are food, agriculture, medicine, personal care, and animal health. Um, These are the five industries that we have identified as being most impacted by microbiome technologies in the immediate future. Uh, Oh, a well-timed question here, what is the biggest current challenge for the industry? (laughs) There are many, um, but one of the things that we discovered is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, in the health and nutrition space, microbiome research is still really falling short of tightly connecting microbiome signatures to healthy outcomes in people. And what that means is that the products being brought to market are relatively generic, Um, their returns are difficult to measure. Um, it makes it difficult to justify investment in these ingredients, and the real risk, the real challenge is that down the road, um, consumers may lose faith in the microbiome and microbiome products um, as ways of legitimately impacting their health. If you if you think along the lines of um, the first series of products coming out not really having the impacts they claim or, or claiming sort of wishy-washy impacts, Um, Consumers will learn not to trust microbiome products as being very effective um, and can even end up uh, with the impression that they are snake oil, for lack of a better phrase. Um, And this is a real risk to the the whole microbiome for health and nutrition industry. Um, I would say that's the biggest challenge today. Uh, Another question here, how does the microbiome relate to cosmetic applications? That's a a fascinating area where um, research on the skin microbiome is still in the early stages relative to some of these other areas. But what's being discovered is that some very um, persistent and frequent skin conditions like redness, like acne, um, like early onset of aging symptoms of skin and loss of dryness, um, many of these are attributable to shifts in the skin microbiome. And so there are a number of approaches that involve using probiotics um, to actually replenish what should be, or what is perceived to be, a healthy skin microbiome um, for use in reducing facial redness, for example, or reducing the appearance of fine lines. Um, Another really interesting area is the use of bacteriophage that can specifically eliminate um, acne-causing products from, or excuse me, acne-causing bacteria. Um, from the skin as a way of reducing um, acne incidence in the skin. So I think those are the most interesting cosmetic applications um, for the microbiome. Uh, another question here, how are these kinds of personal care products regulated? Ah, that is the wild, wild west. Um, we've, uh, we've done some looking and the regulatory situation around microbiome products is a bit murky in that it's a new area, but generally, um, especially in the the US and Europe, if products, if a cosmetic or personal care product is composed of ingredients that are well known for safe use, um, the only regulatory concern there is around label claims and justifying your label claim. Um, Generally, both the U.S. and European Commission regulators have given positive views of considering microbial um, and probiotic additives to personal care products as generally being safe. Um, So it's a a pretty free uh, regulatory situation for personal care products containing microbiome ingredients at this point. Um, now, if we move on to the, uh, the companies that we looked at in this study, um, so we've, we've created a map to give an idea of the, the companies that are most relevant in each of these five industries, and um, I realize this is a lot to take in all at once, but um, a little bit of that is intentional to show the diversity of companies that are active in this space. Um, I mean, when you have companies like uh, Cargill and PepsiCo and Colgate-Palmolive and Novazymes and Pfizer uh, and BASF, all looking into the same space, it's a pretty good indicator that this is a large market and going to be large. Um, a question here, which of these five industries is likely to be the biggest, fastest? Well-timed, good question. Uh, I think right now there's been a big push into health and medicine. Um, simply because the the potential outcomes uh, can be really significant, um, But I think uh, food offers an attractive uh, route to market because consumers are familiar with probiotic ingredients already. They're familiar with um, dairy products like yogurt containing cultures or fermented foods like kimchi or uh, the more recently uh, popular kombucha. Um, so I think food is also relevant. But I think perhaps personal care, as we were discussing earlier, is the most attractive opportunity specifically because of those less stringent regulatory pressures. Um, So some of the analysis in the report will go through each of those five industries and look at major players and recent technology advances um, and recent um, uh, events in the space. But additionally, the um, analysis that we've done focused a lot on some patent activity. And so one of the things that we uh, found is that patent applications and grants as well have been rising steadily in recent years. And in fact, in the past 20 years, um, they're up 55-fold. So it's a very strong indicator of increasing innovation effort in this space. We've seen that, um, apologies for the noise in the background, for anyone who's familiar with LUX, I'm speaking to you from our headquarters in Boston, and uh, this city just never quiets down long enough for us to do a proper webcast here. Um, so as I said, the, the 55-fold increase is a very significant indicator of innovation effort in the space. Um, and what's interesting is that The total activity has increased relatively in parallel between grants and applications. Um, So it's just a a very uh, strong indicator of uh, consistent progress um, in innovation in this space. Um, Looks like we have one question from the previous slide. I'll just address briefly here. What What does it mean when we say a company is looking at a space? So generally, we will use things like annual reports, patent filings, um, announcements of corporate VC investments, um, as well as uh, announcements of partnerships uh, as indicators that a company is looking at a space. So I, I will say that, that the data in the report are all from publicly available sources in those, in those cases. Now, if we look at in a little more depth at those patents and we look at a geographic analysis, what we see is that the US and China are really leading right now with half of the patent activity globally coming from those two countries. And when I say activity, again here, we mean both applications and grants taken together. Um, now, the US has been a major player for a long time in the patent landscape here, but China's prominence is much more recent. And it serves as a bit of an opposite trend compared to Australia, where Australia has really been sort of slowly and steadily increasing its patent activity here, but at a pace much slower than the rest of the world, so its prominence has waned in the past decade. And European um, investment here in terms of patent activity has remained relatively flat as a proportion of the total world activity. And for more information on this patent analysis method, including um, what data we collected and um, how we did the analysis, um, I'm certainly happy to share any of that. We have some very text heavy methodology slides that are included in the report that um, for the sake of everyone's viewing pleasure, I haven't included here today. Um, But please do feel free to reach out to me or your client engagement manager if you would like more information about our patent methodology. We we don't mean for it to be a secret. It's just too much text to be pleasant to present. Uh, Now, if we look at a LUX innovation grid of microbiome developers, this is a graphic type that I'm sure is familiar to all of the folks on the line. Um, We found that there's a tight grouping of companies clustered near the line between high potential and dominant. And please don't consider that line to be an abrupt threshold. Um, We would consider many of those companies in that tight grouping to have a very similar prospect in terms of odds of success. Um, The fact that many are grouped in this position is really an indicator of it being a young industry with a number of promising but very early stage companies. Um, So I mentioned earlier the shortfall in research between um, the link between uh, the microbiome and human health, and uh, that's reflected in the the immaturity of companies in this space. There are a few that emerge as leaders, so Ganodin, Intralytics, and Optibiotics are three that we've highlighted as really solid in the space based on commercial offerings, based on company strategy, and the overall strength of science behind their products. Interesting question here, are there opportunities for sensors in the soil microbiome space? Now, certainly, I don't think any of the companies listed on this specific LIG um, are working in, in that space, but I think there is absolutely a, a hypothetical opportunity. Um, you could imagine a DNA-based sensor for monitoring soil microbiome makeup in real time. Now, that's uh, certainly more science fiction than, than pure science today. But in a more realistic near future, um, a soil moisture and nutrient sensor um, can inform the need for a soil microbial product. So you could imagine a nitrogen sensor being used that could serve as a proxy indicator for the need to apply a nitrogen fixing bacterial supplement to a given field soil. Um, We have a question here. Uh, Do we have such a breakdown for each of the five categories mentioned? Um, So we have done a number of individual analyses of um, industries, most notably the food and nutrition and the agriculture industries previously. Um, For the topics around medical uh, medical care, personal care, and um, animal health, those are topics that LUX hasn't done as much primary research on previously. So um, as, as you folks on the line will know, we we carry out this Lux Innovation Grid mapping only after we've had an interview and created a profile of the company. Um, So for those areas, we haven't yet put together a Lux Innovation Grid simply because our research there is is based on secondary research and we haven't secured enough interviews at this point to to conduct that analysis. So it is something we we do look to do uh, in the future. So looking forward, um, what's the outlook on the space? Well, first and foremost, I think is the reality that we've truly barely scratched the surface on the most populous portion of life. Um, There have been some very significant increases in research and in understanding, but we still have a really limited understanding of what the microbiome can do. Um, I think with continued effort, technologies relating to the microbiome can open a new level of customization across more products and services than just food, Um, going into medicine, going into personal care. um, And in the end, I think the ability to advance the microbiome through research and product development is going to affect a number of industries. Um, The five mentioned here, I think, are where it begins. Um, But over time, I think we as as an innovation industry will come to recognize the role of the microbiome um, is really significant and has been uh, essentially ignored until really the last 15 to 20 years. Um, So we'll be moving now into the open Q&A. So I'll give folks just a moment as they're they're typing in uh, their questions and, and we'll be answering those. Okay, we're getting some questions here, and it looks like some folks are using the chat box. So um, I know it's, uh, WebEx is overly complicated and for no good reason, but if you could put questions in the Q&A instead of the chat, that does make it a little easier to monitor as we go through. Um, Let's see here. Uh, question. I would like to know more about what the market needs. Uh, what are the technology offerings, existing players, and potential opportunities? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I would say um, read this report as a great place to start. The report looks at technologies, partnerships, existing players, potential opportunities. Um, specific market needs is a piece of the analysis we didn't do in this case, but uh, certainly happy to, to follow up on some spots there. Um, with a, with a future analysis. Um, question here, let's see, this is a huge big data problem, I agree, um, more complex even than whole genome sequencing. What can be done? Do we need a moonshot? Um, that, that is a great question and, and I think um, in some ways we do need a bit of a moonshot. I think the, the universe of genomics, I see that popping up in a couple of questions here, um, genomics is definitely going to be the biggest enabling technology for the microbiome um, going forward. Uh, the ability to sequence and understand what is present in a microbiome sample is really the the initial linchpin to understanding how we can impact the microbiome. Um, right now, there are a number of companies offering genomic data uh, sequence analysis. And their claims to fame tend to be around how well they can associate individual sequences with microbial genus and then species. Um, And the sort of the state of the art has become that most service providers can identify at least genus for nearly every, not every, but nearly every microbe present in a sample. Um, But getting down to the species level is not always a given. Um, So that's one differentiator to be aware of. The other piece is what to do with questionable samples that you can't identify. So there are a few service providers who will offer a most likely pair of genus uh, genera that uh, um, a microbial signature might have come from. There are others that try to do a force ranking of the top three or five most likely um, genera. But I think this is where a lot of the spark of innovation is going to come from um, in the coming years um, to try to understand, uh, to try to do more there. So um, let's see here. Let's see, does the report talk only about end product or is there coverage of companies working on component technology? So this relates again to the genomics piece. Now this report does look specifically at end products, um, but we've been doing some analysis of genomic technologies and in fact we have um, a series of reports around genomics approaches um, that will be forthcoming in the coming months looking at technologies to acquire uh, genomic sequence data. Then technologies to analyze that genomic sequence data. And then finally technologies and business models for working with applying and communicating that sequence data across uh, industries. Um, Let's see here. Let's see. Questions about public perceptions and demographics. That's a great question. We've done some looking at things um, around public perception, especially relating to concerns around using genetically modified microbes to either go into food products or produce ingredients. Um, That's certainly uh, an interesting question. Um, The consumer perception around GMOs is historically very negative, and as yet, we've not identified a technology that's been able to unlock that. so that's that's a, that's a great question that, that we're going to be looking into further in the future. Uh, question here, what is the gut-brain axis and how does it relate to this area? So the gut-brain axis is the name given to an idea that um, there is communication between the gut and and the brain such that your gut microbiome could have an impact on your your nervous system, your brain, and on various uh, disorders that you might have. Um, so that's certainly related to this area. I would say this is another case where the research is early stage. Um, and there's, there's a number of companies, um, Calliope is one that comes to mind. Um, who are looking at therapeutics for central nervous system disorders like Parkinson's based on modulating the gut microbiome. So I would say that the gut-brain axis is highly related um, to the, the medical care and, and health uh, side of the microbiome. And, and I would expect some really interesting um, experimental therapies to be coming out in, in, in the very near future. Um, Question here, this sounds like an area companies should just wait for the science to mature in rather than taking any action today. Is there anything that certain types of companies should do today? I think there is absolutely uh, things that companies should be doing today um, because the the reality is this is an industry that is going to grow and be relevant and um, without engaging early on you risk uh, being a follower Um, and having to go with uh, whatever standards the industry sets and whatever comes to be recognized um, as typical. I think um, investing in partnerships and relationships around um, better genomic sequence um, acquisition and analysis is really the place that I would focus um, for most companies that would have a consumer-facing piece Uh, For companies who are on the the medical care side, I think investing in the basic research to understand the links between microbiome makeup and human health are going to be the the best places to start. Um, Let's see, question here, are there specific areas with solid research that show clear associations between the microbiome and regulatory pathways? Now I'm gonna assume that means Um, physical or or human health regulatory pathways. Um, Yes, the the most tight link is between uh, C. diff, clostridium difficile infections um, and the microbiome uh, and sort of shifts in the microbiome. That's really where the tightest link is. But some of these links around that gut-brain axis relating to Parkinson's disease are also um, becoming uh, more, uh, more solid. Uh, interesting question here around home care, things like toiletries, cleaning products. Um, that's not an area we've looked into yet, but you could imagine that um, bacteriophage might be a really interesting way to approach um, kitchen cleaning for things like salmonella, for example, or toilet cleaning around the various um, uh, enteric sort of the... the um, the E. coli and Shigella and other um, bacteria that are common in the bathroom scenario. So it's not an area that we looked into in this report, but I certainly think that it could be relevant um, as, an, as another of the industries that, that would be impacted here. Um, question here, is there white space for technology developers? So I think this relates to the previous question around what should companies be doing now rather than just waiting. So I think the, the first point around tying a microbial signature to a medical endpoint is a real unmet need um, that, that's worth investing in. Um, I think technologies to produce the probiotics and specific or custom bacteria products, that's going to remain important. Um, so whether it's fermentation capacity, um, whether it's the ability to produce in a way that is food safe, um, or or a strain engineering aspect, these are going to be things that I think are are somewhat white today and will remain relevant in the near and far future. Um, And if I'm a consumer-facing company, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, consumers are already interested. I need to identify ways that I can incorporate these technologies into consumer products. Um, Whether that means including a probiotic today, whether it means um, a marketing campaign to communicate with your consumer, about how you're approaching the microbiome, I think those are relevant uh, things to consider. Um, Ah, here's a different topic. What is the relationship between personalized nutrition and the microbiome? So personalized nutrition is a a dietary recommendation regime that involves making specific and personalized and custom dietary recommendations to to people on an individual basis based on their own um, genetics, or their own biomarkers, or their own lifestyle, um, family history, and, and so on. Um, and in that sense, I think there's a very significant relationship between personalized nutrition and the microbiome, um, where there, there are some companies, like Day2 is a great example, that are offering a microbiome analysis. It's, it's literally a, a fecal microbiome assessment um, for consumers that culminates in dietary advice. So a a consumer will um, engage with day two for a subscription. They will have a a fecal test done. They will literally send in a fecal sample and have it analyzed um, using some of those genomics technologies that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, And on the basis of those test results, um, they will have recommendations made by day two for um, the kinds of foods and quantities of foods that they should be eating. Um, so I think there's, there's a very tight link there between the, the microbiome and personalized nutrition. Um, I'm seeing a couple of questions around um, the ability to get the presentation and the report. So the report is available um, to our clients through our member site and the presentation will be sending around um, early next week just for, for everyone's reference. Um, Another question here, uh, what do you think about obesity and diabetes and the gut microbiome? I think this is a very uh, relevant topic. Um, One of my colleagues on our digital health and wellness team, Noah Gershon, has just written a report on diabetes management, looking at a number of approaches um, to management, including uh, physical activity, insulin, as well as diet and nutrition management. Um, And I think the microbiome plays a really significant role um, and as yet poorly understood role because the microbiomes in your gut are metabolizing the foods that come through your intestines and can in fact have an impact on your circulating blood glucose level. Um, There are going to be things like sugar alcohols, for example, that would be used to sweeten foods in a non-caloric way that don't have a direct impact on blood sugar but once metabolized by the microbes in your gut, can actually have an impact on your blood sugar. So um, I think there's a very tight link between uh, the the gut microbiome and obesity and diabetes. Um, What to do about that, I think, is a question for some basic research, unfortunately. I'd like to say that the answer is, oh, go develop a product, and and run forward, but there's been a lot of research around taking a slender person's fecal microbiome and transplanting it into an obese or or diabetic or otherwise unhealthy person um, to observe a change, and the results have been significantly inconclusive um, and difficult to replicate and short-term. So I would say this is a case where... Um, more research is going to be necessary to prove out what the best approach is to solving that issue. Um, Let's see here. Um, One final question here that I think we have time for. Um, Let's see. How could we go about finding companies uh, that are developing pre or probiotics for animal health, seed treatments and cosmetics so that's, um, I would direct you to the member site. Um, we've, we've got a whole category of companies tagged to the microbiome um, across a number of industries, many of which are developing prebiotic ingredients to go into foods, um, as well as probiotics to go into foods. And um, for, for animal health, we're seeing food probiotics as well as um, a number of other probiotics. Uh, including a vaccine that's applied as a nasal mist, a, um, a reproductive um, probiotic that's topically applied. We're seeing a number of really interesting approaches, um, and any of those profiles will will be on, on our member site. Um, so I think that concludes the, the time that we have for Q&A right now. Um, so uh, moving on, I would just like to mention um, that we'll, we'll be sending a, a link to the recording of this session. So if you were trying to take notes and couldn't keep up, or um, if you uh, weren't able to join until partway through, um, you'll be emailed a, a link um, with the recording. Um, as well, I'd invite you to download the report now. Um, I want to point out that in just a couple of weeks here, we'll be having a webinar. Um, it's on a very different topic, but you would, uh, if you enjoy LUX's typical brand of bold and opinionated research, um, I think this one will be quite fascinating, looking at um, some really significant changes in the energy industry, um, things like, uh, for example, the rise of AI, the fall of diesel, and the folly of fuel cells. Um, So so please do feel free to register and tune in for that. If if it looks like it's at a time that you wouldn't be able to attend, I would encourage you to register in any case as you'll have access that way um, to the recording and the slides once the the webinar is done. Um, We know that uh, since the sun never sets on Lux or our clients, there's never a perfect time for a webinar, um, but we want to make it easy for you to get that information in any case. Uh, we'd invite you to keep in touch with us and and explore our other offerings, including our podcasts and our blog. Um, And uh, as I had mentioned earlier, um, the slides and the recording will also be sent around early next week. Um, So for anyone who's interested in that, please stay tuned. Um, Finally, I would just like to thank everyone for taking the time to join us for this uh, somewhat informal virtual forum. Uh, Thank you all for submitting those questions. Um, If you had a question that didn't get answered, we're going to be happy to follow up after this. Um, And for anyone who's joined uh, from one of our coverage areas, not the full program, and would like more information about the program and how you can join, um, please do reach out to your account manager. Um, They'll be able to help you. They've got more information, um, and and they'll be in the best position to to help you figure that out. Um, So with that, uh, thank you all, and uh, have a great day.